0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Just to give you a recap, if you haven't been with us, on week one, we talked about the difference between logos and mythos. And how logos and mythos were two ways that ancient people had to understand the world, to see the world, to interpret different things in the world. And through those two avenues, one, this pragmatic view of the world, this logical view of the world. And the other, this spiritual not as pragmatic and abstract view of the world. They understood the world and its challenges. And Abraham lived in that type of mindset, in that type of mind frame. So we referred to him. Abraham was a guy who, by any standards of our modern life, had everything to be satisfied. He was successful in business. He was successful in his family. His marriage was doing great. But somehow, he wasn't fulfilled Because there was something on the inside that told him that his life was made for more. That his life was made for more than temporary things. That his life was made for eternal things. For a legacy that would last forever. And so Abraham, because the promise that he had been given hadn't come to pass. Even though he had it all, he felt like he had nothing. And we encouraged you that week to believe in the promise. Because you were made for the promise of God. Last week we talked about freedom. And how freedom, even though we tend to think that freedom is this natural thing that comes to us naturally, we shared about how freedom, actually, you need to work at freedom. Freedom is something that you need to work at, to apply yourself in. Because, as you know, negative things tend to come more naturally than positive things. That's why it's easier to complain than to come up with a solution. That's why it's easier to have a negative thought, but you have to kind of put an effort to have positive thoughts in your mind. That's why it's easier for us to get into a bad habit than it is to develop a good habit. Because negative things tend to come to us more naturally. Now, freedom is the reason why Jesus came. Freedom is the reason why Christ gave his life. And there's a scripture that says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that's why we're here this morning celebrating this freedom. And we come to today, this part of the series... And I want to start with the scripture found in Psalms 34, verse 8. And it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Can we all say it together? If you don't mind, let's say it together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's say it again one more time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Who takes refuge in him. Today is Easter. Today is the day where people everywhere in the world, everywhere, people of different backgrounds, people of different ethnicities, different cultures, different countries, people of different age groups, they are coming together in auditoriums, very much like this, to celebrate the resurrection of a Jewish man 2,000 years ago. And this resurrection changed the history of humankind. It changed the history of the world. Now, there is no doubt that Jesus lived. In fact, for you to, to contest the fact that Jesus lived, for you to try to create a story against his life on earth, you have to be Pretty creative. You have to have some elaborate ideas to erase all the evidence of Jesus' life. We know Jesus lived. He was a man, he was born, and he existed on this planet as a human being. I was reading just yesterday an article on the British newspaper, The Guardian, where the author, the reporter, said that there is more evidence of Jesus' life at the time of his life in writing and testimonies, even beyond biblical accounts. Then there is of King Arthur. And King Arthur, of course, is a revered king of uh, a fighter for the British Empire that I think he lived around 500 uh, AD. So we know Jesus lived. We know he was an actual person that lived on this planet and walked on this planet. And that's as far as some people are willing to go, that Jesus lived. We know that he was a prophet We know that this was his occupation, if you want to call it that. We know he was a prophet that lived on this earth, and he was a religious leader. Some of us believe that he was the Son of God. Some of us believe that he was divine. But for most of the people, they do admit that he is a prophet. There's no doubt of that. We all know that he died, and there's little doubt that he died on the cross. There's little doubt that he died under the Roman Empire, and that he was crucified. And that's as far as many people are willing to go. That Jesus was born, that he lived, that he was a prophet, and that he died on the cross. But then we come to today. Resurrection Sunday. We come to Easter. The day that changed everything. And it is resurrection that sealed Jesus's divinity. It is resurrection that is the reason for every single church and every single church building you've ever seen or have ever heard of. Resurrection is the reason and the foundation of every single person who practices Christianity. It's the reason for Christianity's existence. Resurrection is the power behind every story, behind every testimony. Behind every person who calls Jesus as Lord, behind every sacrament, behind every baptism, it is resurrection that empowers that. It's because of resurrection that those things exist today. Resurrection Sunday is the day that changed history forever. It's why our calendars say B.C. and A.D. It's because of Resurrection Sunday. It's because of today. Because on the third day, that Jewish man who was crucified, that Jewish man who was born, who lived, who was a prophet, and was crucified, was in a tomb, but he didn't stay in that tomb. He rose again, and he lived. Now, from that day, from that very day, 2,000 years ago, till today, there have been believers, doubters, skeptics, and witnesses And some of you here today, you fit in one of those categories. Some of you are believers. Some of you are doubters. Some of you are skeptics. And some of you count yourselves as witnesses. And that's okay. Because if you read through the Scriptures, you will find this. That amongst Jesus' closest followers, His closest friends his closest disciples, the people that lived with him for three and some odd years. There were believers, and there were doubters. There were skeptics, and then there were witnesses. And it is the witnesses that wrote the stories that we read. It is the witnesses that told the story. And in the days following Jesus' resurrection... There was one thing that kept happening. And you see in scriptures, right after the resurrection, things begin to happen where a pattern formed. And every time you see a pattern in scripture, you kind of have to pay attention to it because it's probably something that's not just historical, that exists and lives for that day. It's very likely something that can happen to you. It can happen to me. And I want to highlight today just three parts, three instances where this theme, this recurring experience happened. And it's told in three particular places. We're not going to read it, but you can, if you're taking notes, you can write it down for you to read it later. The first one is in John 20, chapter 20 of of the book of John, where Mary Magdalene rises on Sunday morning. With the sun. The sun is beginning to rise and she's excited. She is excited to go see Jesus. She has to go see him. And scripture says that they're bringing spices, they're trying to take care of his body. She has to see him one more time. She has to see him and see what, how he lied in, in the tomb and, and if his body is well taken care of. So she goes. It's his savior, it's, it's her savior, it's her messiah, it's her friend, and he's dead. And she has to go see his body. And she gets there, and the tomb is open. And she's scared. So she goes in and she peeks to see what happened. And the body's not there. And just like any other person thinking straight in a moment of grief, she thought they took his body. His body's gone, they moved him away from this tomb. And she got anxious. And all the while, Jesus was standing outside looking at her. And he asks her, woman, why why are you crying? And she turns to him, and like any other rational human being, she thought, it's the gardener, right? Because I saw Jesus die on the cross. It has to be the gardener. Jesus was standing in front of her, and she could not see. The second instance where something similar happened, it's in the next chapter. John twenty first. Peter tells his friends who were also disciples of Jesus, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to get up and go fishing. So John says, all right, let's go. And a group of friends go, and they get on the boat, and they are fishing. Now, this is the trade that they used to practice before Jesus called them to be disciples. And they're there on the boat, pulling the nets up and catching nothing. Nets kept coming empty. And Jesus was standing on the shore, and he sees them, and he asks them, them, children, have you caught anything? And they say, no. And he says, try the other side. And without knowing that it was Jesus, it was a total stranger man who told these fishermen to try the other side, and they did. It's kind of funny, right? They could not see Jesus. And then there was another instance That really caught my attention, and I want to spend some time in this passage here. It's found in Luke 24, where there are two disciples on a road to Emmaus. From Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they're walking on this road. It's about seven miles, and they're heading to Emmaus. And Jesus comes alongside and begins to walk with them. And they're talking about Jesus' death. They're talking about their loss. They're talking about what had just happened in Jerusalem. And Jesus hears their conversation and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And Scripture says that they're walking and they stand still. They stop. And they're saddened. And they look at him and say, are you the only visitor here? Are you the only person in Jerusalem? You have to be a visitor not to know what just, what's going on. But are you the only person in Jerusalem who, just not, who does not know what just happened? How they crucified the prophet, a great man, Jesus Christ, who was a great man in word and deed. He was the one. And they were so, so distraught because in their minds, he was the one who was supposed to, to free Israel from the Roman rule. And they were completely and entirely disappointed, and they begin to tell Jesus, not knowing that it was Jesus, that this man had everything to restore Israel's kingdom. He had the power, he had the authority, he had the ability, he had the anointing, he had the calling, he had the following, he had the people. He even had the name. His name was Yeshua, the same name of Moses' successor, the same name of the guy who brought the entire nation of Israel from a desert land into the promised land, and he was their Yeshua. He was the man who was supposed to take them from a place of captivity, from a place of brokenness into a place of freedom, and he was dead. It was their David that was going to beat Goliath, the Roman Empire. Except in this story, David did not defeat Goliath. David was in a tomb, buried and dead. And they're distraught. They're telling Jesus, it doesn't make sense. We've been in the desert for too long. We've been suffering for too long. And we thought Jesus was the one who was going to take us away from this situation. But he was nothing But a cup of cold water in a hot, hot day, he was a brief, a brief refreshment, a brief relief from the situation that we're in. And now he's in a tomb, and we're right back where we started. They were so distraught that they couldn't see it. And isn't that you and I sometimes? We're going through life, we're going through our situations, we're going through our challenges, and our attention is so focused on what's at hand, what's in front of us. Our attention is so focused on the pain, on the struggle, on the disappointment, that we cannot see anything else. Like Mary, maybe you're here and you're in grief. You've lost so much, and you feel alone. And you're in the hopes that you can at least relive some memories. You can go to the tomb, you can go back to that memory, to those pictures, to those memories that you have, and you can relive the emotions on the inside. But the thrill is gone, as B.B. King would have said. The thrill is gone. Maybe you're here and you like Peter and John. I don't know why they went fishing. Scripture doesn't say why they went. But maybe it could be that they needed money. Maybe it could be that they needed to feed their families. These were married men. Peter, we know for sure that he was married. and Probably wanted to provide. Or maybe they were just hungry. They needed food. And off they go. Back to the boat with their nets. And here they are trying their craft. Because when you have failed so much... When you have tried something and given all of yourself into it and you fail, you go back to the thing that you knew to do. But even that wasn't working. That could be you here today. Maybe you stepped out and you tried that business. Maybe you stepped out and you wanted that idea to work. You wanted your plans to succeed and you failed. And you tried to go back to your previous craft and that even is not working. Even that is coming to be a failure. And that's where they were. They were in the boat, trying to fish. And they couldn't catch anything. And their eyes were so fixed on those empty nets that they could not see that Jesus was standing on the shore. Is that you here today? Are your eyes so fixed on your empty nets that you cannot see the Savior calling you? God, Emmanuel, God with us, calling your name. The disciples on the road to Emmaus they were so distraught. They were so, so disappointed. To them, this was a lost opportunity. How could we have lost this opportunity? Why did Jesus die so easily? Why did he just give up? How could this have happened to us? This was our opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and you have questions. You have questions. How How could... That, that was the plan. Maybe you're here this morning and you tried God like those disciples. You tried God. You tried church before. And you're here. It's been a long time since you've even said anything that had anything to do with God or Jesus, because you tried it. You had your plan. You had your blueprint from point A to point B to point Z. And you presented to God and you said, God, can you do this for me, please? Please, God, this would solve all my problems. This would bring all the solutions to the things that I'm wishing for. Could you do this? And nothing happened. And it was almost as if the dream, your salvation, had died. And you're so disappointed on the inside. You're wondering. What's the point? Why? I want to tell you this morning that just like Jesus was with Mary, standing right in front of her, he is here with you. Just as he was with Peter and John, standing on the shore, watching their every toil and their struggle, he's here with you. Just as he was walking beside the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he is here with you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is with you. Can you see him? Can you see him? There is a moment where their eyes were opened. And there is a moment where our eyes are open too. Is the moment when Jesus grabs our attention and he calls us by name like he called Mary. And he says, Mary. That was the moment that she saw. He called her by name, and she saw, she saw that he wasn't in the tomb anymore, that he was alive and well, and he was with her. There was a moment when Peter and John on the boat realized that that man, he wasn't just a stranger standing on the beach. It was Jesus, because when he said, try the other side, try something new, try this different idea, you're not catching anything, how about you step out and you try this? And they did. And when they couldn't haul all the fish, it says the scripture says that they could not take the nets into the boat because there were so many fish. John looked at Peter and said, It's the Lord. It's Jesus. He's been here all along. Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus when they were so distraught, so anguished of their loss. They did not realize that Jesus was walking with them all along. But when they sat down to have a meal, and he broke bread, and he gave grace... He gave thanks to God. Their eyes were open, and they realized the meal we had a few days ago was not the last supper. He is here and he's with us and he's alive and he was walking with us the whole time. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus has been walking with you the entire time. Whether you have seen him or not, he is with you. God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. He is walking with you. Can you see it? Because you were made to see The reason of the resurrection is that your eyes may be opened so you can see God in your life and you can see the salvation in the living. Some of you are here this morning and you haven't seen. You've been in situations where, like Mary, Peter, John, like the disciples, you haven't seen. And I want to remind you that Jesus rose again that you may see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Maybe for some of you, Christianity, religion, God, whatever you may call it, source, universe, whatever you call it, has been something so distant and so impalpable that it's not alive in you. And I want to encourage you this morning to take a step toward the resurrected king. Not the idea of Jesus, Not the idea of religion, not the idea of God, but someone who is walking with you, someone who sees you, and someone who you can see. Because I got to tell you, there are some witnesses in this room. There are some people who can turn to you and say, he was with me all along. There are some people who can stand here and say, I'm a believer. Not because I read it on a paper, but because it's been real to me in my life. And I want to encourage you this morning to engage this life with God exactly where you are. If you're doubting, if you're a skeptic, if it's been too long, if you've been hurt by the church and religion, if this is something that you haven't considered in a long time, this is the time for you to see. For you to see the resurrected King alive in you and in your life. So if you don't mind, we're going to stand one more time. And we're just about done. Maybe a long time ago, you tried. You tried prayer. And in your perception, you didn't feel like it worked. Maybe you tried church. Maybe you used to go to church with your parents. Maybe you used to attend Mass. And it all got a bit theoretical. And it all got a bit based on liturgy for you and today you're here standing and you're wondering if if you should take a chance i want to encourage you to take a chance not at the same thing not at what you tried but i want you to ask god to open your eyes so that you can see so that you can see that he was all along taking care of you he was the one Embracing you at the time of loss. He was the one with you, walking with you at the time that you were asking questions. And he has answers for you this morning. He has answers for you. And he wants to walk with you, not as a stranger. He wants to stand at the shore of your life, not as a stranger. He wants to call you by name, not as a stranger, but as your friend. As the one who gave his life for you. So if this is your first time in a setting like this, and you've never prayed a prayer of dedication, you've never prayed a prayer to start a relationship with God, we're going to pray together. And everybody here is going to pray. We do this every Sunday. Every single Sunday we make this confession of faith and we invite God into our lives. And what you're doing, you're not accepting a new religion. You're not starting uh, anything other than making a connection with God and asking God to guide your life so that you may see it for yourself. Not because I'm saying or because it's written in the book, but because it's alive in you. That is the power of resurrection. And that's what has sustained the church, Christianity, and the life of God through 2,000 years. And we will beyond. Christianity was supposed to be dead. But every time they tried to kill it, it just rose again and again and again. And here we are today. So we're all going to pray together. If you don't mind putting your hand in your heart, And repeat after me. Say, dear God, I invite you into my heart. I give you my thoughts. I give you my past, my present, my future. I invite you into my mind. And I ask you to guide my thoughts. Guide my heart. Guide my future. And help me see. I want to see you. I don't want to be focused on my troubles, on the worry, on the negativity, but I want to focus on your life, the life that you have for me. So this morning, I give you my heart, my mind, and Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Amen.